Have you noticed how your attitude shapes the way you see everything, how you experience life? This is Tuesday, January 2nd. We're getting started in this new year by asking what's going on inside of us and how the gospel can change our hearts. Now, your attitude becomes the lens through which you see the world. As it has been said, you don't see things as they are, you see things as you are. Attitude creates perception, and perception shapes your experience. And there, you have your life. Now, as we start this new year, we're looking at the shaping aspects of our experience and our, of our lives. And we begin here because our life in Christ and the grace that God provides does its shaping work in our hearts. Here's our text for today, way back from the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3 to 9. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Now this is a scene from the experience of Elijah the prophet. God raised up Elijah to serve during one of the most trying times in Israel. An evil king named Ahab and his wife Jezebel were ruling at the time, and they determined to eliminate the prophets of the Lord. Elijah was afraid and exhausted. He was hunted and in distress. And even though he trusted the Lord, he ran for his life. He became so discouraged and depressed that he wanted to die, he felt like he was bearing it all personally, and that's when he cried out to the Lord. It was just too much. Now, the Lord did not chastise him, but instead provided care for Elijah through the arrival of angels to give him food and water so that he could recover. In Elijah, we discover a weariness so deep that he's ready to give up. How did Elijah get there? We hear it in the statement he makes to the Lord. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, he said. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. That's 1 Kings 19.10. He has been carrying the whole matter himself. He sounds like a victim. All of this happened to me, he said, and I am the only one left. And the story of his life and the story of Israel is uh, Elijah sees himself as the victim. When we see ourselves in this way, it taints the way we see everything else. Of course, he's not the victim. God is sovereign and even working in this moment. The Lord goes on to tell him that there are still 7,000 of the faithful that are left in Israel. 
But there are times when we can feel like the victim, like we're trapped and there's nothing we can do. Stress can do this to us, warp our perspective, and even seem to blot out the light of the sun. Here's an illustration of us seeing things as we are and not as they are. That is what has happened to Elijah. How we see our world is based on the interior contours of our hearts. This is why the writer of Proverbs says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. That's Proverbs 4.23. But my question is, how can we do that? And what does this mean? I think it means first to be aware of how powerful the heart is in everything we do. As we refer to the heart here, we're not talking about that muscle located in your chest that's about the size of your fist. But in speaking of the heart, Scripture is talking about the control center of your life. You could call it the motivational structure of your life. Your heart determines what you do, and it's the explanation for why you do what you do. But here's the problem. We cannot change our own hearts in any direct way. The prophet Jeremiah put it like this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's chapter 17, verse 9. Yes, we cannot directly change our hearts. Only God can do that. So what is our part in protecting our hearts as we go into the new year? You might call it the work of indirection. That is, we can do things to help our heart, as the proverb says, guard our hearts. What things? The very thing Elijah is doing, going before God, seeking the face of God and the truth of God and the will of God and the grace of God. Through prayer and the word and relationships with others walking faithfully, shaped by him, it doesn't happen overnight, but over time, God renews us after his image and he gives us a new heart. As we're going into the new year, some of us have experienced a weariness and busyness or in loss. And this is a time to do just as Elijah did, to seek our God for rest and renewal and healing and for peace. Of course, the Lord challenges Elijah's false notions and leads him toward truth, but not before beginning to refresh and restore him. I'm not sure there's a better place from which to start 2024 than before God, seeking his face for renewal of our hearts. For it is your heart that will determine your attitude and your decisions going forward. Let's pray. Father, you alone know the depths of our hearts. We look to you for healing in the broken places, for joy in the weary places, and for life. And we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen.